I'm finna put all this in my book bag because I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition and welcome to another episode of the MYFB podcast. And today with me, I have Miss Dana Humphreys. And Dana is adept or is I think that would be the word adept in Bikram yoga, meditation, along with other spiritual uh, sciences, with, uh, if you will. Um, and I did get a chance to check out your website. Your website is amazing, by the way. I love that the first thing that hits you is that codependent um, mind map. So that's amazing. Everybody go to DanaHumphreys.com. Amazing website. How are you doing today, Dana? Great. Thank you so much for saying that. I feel like a lot of people like don't really get it. <laughs> but no, I it- made- I made that mind map so people could try to understand like what codependency is, what are some of the traits around it and what are the, like, once you get through it, what's the outcome? Oh, nice, nice. I'm definitely going to, you know, show it to the rest of my family. And it's like, so the rest of you guys <laughs> need to get you, you know, play the uh, big narcissist, if you will. <laughs> but um, uh, how, how did you actually get into the trauma reconciliation side of the house right like um you know and I'm saying this because a lot of people get into the industry of spirituality and I know I'm talking about it from industry terms you gotta excuse me it's a business podcast right but I I look at spirituality as an industry a lot of people get into the industry and there's a lot of people in purpose and fulfillment and then you get a lot of people in love and light and then you get people like yourself where they get down to the nitty gritty and they're like, look, this is really what people are going through out in the world. Um, and I often, the, the few deaf doulas that I have known of, that's their approach. So how did you get into the trauma side of spirituality versus, you know, everybody smiling and playing in the roses? I mean, you know, I was talking to someone last night, we were laughing, like, you know, most coaches, we're the coach that we need. Like, I didn't Mm. just, you know, think like, oh, what's a good area to get into? Like, I've had some trauma. I think, I think almost everybody has. I, I, I define trauma maybe a little bit more loosely than, than some folks do. Um, I think that, you know, depending on our life, we all have a little bit of PTSD and, um, yeah, I just found myself in, in, delving into different healing modalities for myself and seeing what's working. And I've, you know, tried a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. um, And I feel like I'm finally at a place where I can, I have a wealth of resources. I have a bunch of stuff in my toolbox. And if anybody else is experiencing, you know, any kind of problem, I probably have an idea that could probably help them. So it came from my own need to heal myself. And um, honestly, I've, I've, you know, run, I've been running a a PR firm for the last 15 years and I've been a professor and I've had all kinds of different hats that I wear as different business stuff or whatever. And, um, I just, you know, through the pandemic, actually, I found myself, I was living in Guatemala. I, um, was just kind of like looking at how I spend my life force energy. And I decided like, I don't want to spend my life sending emails on behalf of other people like that can't be how my life is like right and um 
And really that's kind of what marketing is like, you know, first of all, telling people what problems they have so they can buy some stuff to fix it. And second of all, it's just, you know, sitting behind a computer and sending a lot of emails. And I shaved my head as a reminder to myself to not get sucked into the, the seduction of marketing and to really make a pivot to um, like share different healing modalities with people that I've learned along the way. Okay, nice, nice. I love that. I, so we were talking quickly, you know, for all the listeners, we were talking before the podcast and we physically did a swap as in you grew up in California and now live in New York City. And I grew up in New York City and now live in California. But I feel when you talk about, you know, your journey as well, I also think we did a swap, right? Um, you know, uh, I came out of cybersecurity, started my business, and my business started as like, I wanted to run up this business, uh, this business course, uh, and basically just help people start their businesses. And as I ran into it, I realized like, oh, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people aren't starting their businesses, right? So then I got caught up in the hypnotherapy side of it, right? And as I got into hypnotherapy, I was like, oh, this, this is too much for me. Two hours of in-depth trauma talk is too, too much for me, right? Like I, I'm good on this. Okay. Wait, right? as, a, as a participant or a hypnotherapist, as a hypnotherapist, as a hypnotherapist. Okay. You didn't want to deal with everybody's stuff. Yeah. But even okay. as a participant, cause when I did it too, I was like, Oh, like, I don't like, I'm it's my stuff, but like, I'm so emotionally detached and like, shut that up. Right. Like I'm sitting there like, Oh, shut up. <laughs> what am I whining about now? So I'm like, I did it. I got through it. You know, I, I did it for a year. It was really impactful. And because I saw how impactful it was, I saw the need for it. I kept the skill for myself, right? Still use it for myself, use it in-house in a, as a leadership tool. But then I just got sucked into the seduction of marketing. I was like, this seems <laughs> a lot more fun. <laughs> this seems like I can just tell people what their problem is and go here. And that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's funny. You know, it's like that uh stuff is the stuff we have to do. Like I just came from physical therapy and like I stopped going for a while because I didn't like it. And it's like, well, yeah, and it didn't, my problem didn't get better. So I had to go back and I had to change my attitude and be like, yes, physical therapy, like, here we go. And now it feels better. Okay. No, I feel that. Um, I, I guess my thing was more like, it, it, it really is like, I'm not a people person. Like even before that I mentioned, I was doing cybersecurity and cybersecurity, you aren't dealing with people. I'm dealing with numbers. So the switch to marketing is a simple switch, but the switch to like one-on-one -on -one intimate life coaching type stuff and hypnotherapy is not my wheelhouse. Not that I'm not a nurturing person, but I don't want to sit down and listen to it all day. I can't. Right. But I do hope people get through it and I'll suggest that they go to people like you, but it, it, it took me being honest with myself, like, Oh, I'm breaking up with this. And yeah. then more so recently I was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and I think I'm breaking up with that too. I think I'm so going. interesting. Yeah. I'm doing, we're doing a full switcheroo. Like I, I had to get honest with myself and break up with my marketing clients. 
And, you know, they want to keep me and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I just can't. And I want to do, I want to listen to people. I want to be there for people and help individuals versus uh, companies. I do like that. I do like that. Um, And I'm just more so going down the path and I have a great question for you to put in this on hold, right? Got this one in the back pocket, but I'm, I'm more in a place of I, I like helping people. Yes. Right. Cause I, I had a coach and one, I, I mistakenly said in the, the coaching call, like, I don't think I like coaching. He's like, no, you got to remember you like coaching. You like helping people. And I was like, yeah, but not like this. Right. So I, I think what I'm more so leaning towards is the education platforms and just putting out my courses uh, and then getting speaking engagements. Uh, I think that's more my speed, but I say that to say people have to be honest on what's good for them, yeah. right? Like it, and it's not that I, I did have to go through all of those ways to just really see like, okay, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. This isn't for me. Um, this is where I would like to be. But, you know, as you go through it, you realize like, no, I really do like this for that person over there. This is great. Like if you're actively choosing this and you can do it, that's great. But uh, one-on-one coaching is a bit stressful for me. Um, but, and this coming from military veteran, I can bench 350 pounds. It's a different type of strength, right? And I'm perfectly fine saying I'm weak in it. <laughs> okay with that. Um, for, I think what you said though is important. It's like to figure out, sometimes to figure out what we want, we have to figure out what we don't want. Right. And, you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. And, yeah, it's great that we're all different. We so everybody, so you know, all the stuff can be um, happening. Right, but and it's the same thing. Like, I'm pretty sure the way that it would feel for you. Like, I love the podcast. Like, the podcast is amazing, right? I could deep dive into somebody's you know emotional shit during a podcast, but it doesn't feel ultra professional. Like, I don't have the uh, I don't have the financial weight on it, right? Whether I'm making money with the podcast or not, it's just something that we're doing. So that that's always good. But the question I had for you that was sitting in the pocket was for people out there who are trying to figure that out for themselves, right? Like figure out whether or not one-on-one coaching is the way that they'd like to go as an entrepreneur or you know, whether or not they want to go more of a group cohort or do they not want to do lives at all? right? Are they looking to put out a more polished or presented image? What advice do you have for those people? Uh, I hear like five questions in there. Um, So, okay, when it comes to like deciding like, okay, I think I'd like some support, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's for my business or for my life. And honestly, you know, I've had a lot of support. One of my coaches always says like, like love life or business, like pick one. It's all the same problems. Like you can, you know, you can pick any sector that you want to focus on the problem and it's going to like trickle out to the other ones. Right. Um, And I really believe that. And so, you know, whether you want, yeah, if you're looking for support in your business and then it just depends on your style. Like I've done one-on-one coaching, I've done group coaching as a participant and providing it. And, um, you know, I like both for different reasons. Um, Mm. So you just have to kind of figure out your style. 
when it comes to the idea of doing lives, um, you know, I think um, being able to get on camera and do a live is a great practice. And um, I actually do a video Vixen challenge every year. It's a 30 day live video challenge where you show up every single day and just share different prompts, different topics. And um, there's, you know, right away, um, you know, uh, something that I talk about in codependency is like the need to be perfectionist or having this want to have the perfect video, right? Or Um, there's kind of, I think it's also maybe generational. There's a certain generation of people that are like, oh, I can't do a live. I have to, it has to be professional video and being able to overcome that and just show up how you are, show up with, you know, like right now my cat's jumping around, like he could just jump in the middle of this and I'm just going to roll with it and letting go of the attachment to like the perfect outcome or the perfect edit and just being like, yeah, I I'm human. I'm here. This is my video. I'm, I'm showing you who you are, who I am is also maybe scary or challenging for people because it is a little bit of vulnerable. You're, right. show, you're like showing up as is, as a human, as yourself. And, um, and then if you're also trying to like do a live for your company, now you have additional stress and pressure of like, whatever you think that company image is supposed to be like, and, you know, am I representing myself in the way that I want my company image to be? But um, I think doing lives is a great practice. And really, um, it's about quantum physics. Mm. It's like, to me, the definition of quantum physics is like the thing that is observed changes. So, you know, you could be like, I have a great story. I was in Amsterdam at a park and this little kid, like this little little tiny baby was like in the fountain like having a blast right like having a good old time laughing cracking up and then the mom's like trying to take a video of him as soon as she like starts taking a video of him he starts crying he's like no like I'm not trying to be on video like he he couldn't even speak he was like one and it was like you could see it happening and then she put the camera away and then he'd go back to having fun Mm. and then I'm back out with the camera and he was like what and it's like that, like, how can we, it's like the thing that is observed or the thing that is recorded shifts and change. So how can you practice showing up in front of other people um, and watch yourself change and evolve through that process? No, I, I definitely agree. And um, that that's also why this is an unfiltered podcast and very raw, just because I want to have, you know, real conversations with people. And if you send people a list of scripted questions, you'll get a, in return, you'll get scripted answers, right? But when you are live and you ask a real question, there's something that comes up that reminds me of something else. Like for example, you brought up quantum physics. I was like, oh, that reminds me in the episode with such and such, which is pretty funny. It was another spiritual person, right? Uh, his name's Impu Kamut. I call him the Kung Fu Sage of L.A. Um, uh-huh. He's a really cool guy, right? But we started having a whole conversation about Schrodinger's cat. So I was like, oh, this is seeming to be a thing. Quantum physics and spirituality go hand in hand. <laughs> but that I, I just noticed it's the real, it was real funny. Like, okay, second time. <laughs> interesting thing that came up, right? 
but uh more so I, I really wanted to get into more of the conversation about codependency right what are some of the ways that a person can realize that they are being codependent and what are some of the ways that we kind of hide those truths from ourselves Ooh, that's a, that's a beautiful question that's the, that's the essence of it right there it's like um yeah being codependent is a, a hard pill to swallow sometimes like nobody wants to admit that and so um yeah, even, you know, having a coaching business where I specialize in codependence, it's like first the person has to realize that they're codependent or admit to themselves that they're codependent. Mm -hmm. And how does that show up? It's like being needy, being people pleasing, looking outside yourself, um, outside validation, like looking outside yourself for, for everything. Um, and it could be also um feeling like you're invisible um again it's like all it's it's really kind of like outside seeking so it's like seeking mm. seeking outside attention for your sense of self and your sense of validation and to be seen and to um get your needs met and so people pleasing like uh, codependency and narcissism are really the same thing they're like different sides of the same coin mm -hmm. they both are using manipulation tactics to get what they want and need gotcha. so people pleaser is just doing it in a the codependence doing it in a um with in the dark Mm. okay so so the narcissism is still there it's just in the dark it's in the shadow and so um you know an example of like people pleasing as manipulation might be like uh maybe your dog barks a lot okay mm. and you have a new neighbor and you don't want them to complain to you about the dog barking so you like make them cookies and bring them to them and give them a big welcome. It's not like an unconditional gift of like, Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Here's some cookies. There's like a, there's like something attached to it of like, I'm going to be nice to you because I want you to be nice to me. And that's where it becomes manipulative. And that's right. where, um, you know, codependents want to not take responsibility and be like, no, no, no. It's just because I'm being nice with the cookies. It's like, if you want to really get honest with yourself and figure out what your motive is, then, you know, then we can talk about it. And, you know, sometimes it is, a, it's not like, because you bring cookies to your neighbor, there has to be something attached to it, but, but often there is. I, I, I do agree with that. Right. Like my, my follow-up question, I, I thought of two immediately. Uh, number one would be, if you're the person who's on the receiving end of this codependency um, and they're hiding the truth from you, obviously, and they're probably hiding the truth from themselves, yeah. how can you actually figure out the truth, right? This person is here because they like me or this person is here because they want something out of it. How do you figure it out before waiting for the other shoe to drop? <laughs> well okay you said a lot there okay so fit so i mean right now i'm at a place in my journey where i'm trying to like not figure stuff out 
Mm. I'm not trying to like put meaning on everything and figure stuff out. I'm trying to actually drop into my body and see how stuff feels. Gotcha. Uh, so when you're kind of like in your mind, like, oh, let me figure this out. It can also be confusing. Um, and, you know, there's no such thing as a free gift, basically. You know, it's, right. you know, you don't ha- like, you don't have to accept a gift. That's not something you have to do. <laughs> you know, if you feel like there's like some stickiness there of like, oh, this gift is wrapped in like a favor, like, you know, you don't have to accept it. Right. No, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think there's also something to be said, like, you know, when when you talk about, you know, your emotional well-being and mental health, it's more about balance than it is one side versus the other. So just because someone offers you a gift and they have an expectation or they offer you something, right? Someone made an offer to you yeah. and they expect something in return. That doesn't mean everyone who expects something for something is a bad person. Um, And I I say that because I I run into that one a lot, right? Especially when you start uh, your coaching business or especially when you're doing any sort of business. I had someone say, oh, well, you know, you're just giving advice. Shouldn't advice be free? I was like, well, no, because the experience wasn't, right? Like getting to the point where I could have this advice to give you isn't free like so yeah things that i say are free the podcast is free but scripted within a program that's something different you're paying for the effort and time that i put into this so that that's one thing i always like to remind our i felt like i always had to remind my clients as well right i feel like it's like um it's like personal training like you want to go work out go ahead we all know how to do it it's not like that hard like you know like but if you want, like, yeah, that's, you know, that's free. Going for a run is free. And having someone sit with you for an hour and make you go for that run, that's an hour of their time. And so that, why right. would that be free? Like, if you don't have the, you know, if you don't, if you don't, sometimes, and sometimes actually that monetary thing, like actually paying that person for that hour makes you get more real about it and just the fact that you're paying for that time helps you be more accountable so you know it's um sure google's free you want to just google your problem go ahead like (laughs) yeah it's a ton of results (laughs) (laughs) and and that's really what people are paying for you're paying for somebody who's filtered through the information and found a system that works right like that that's majority of it Okay. So what, what oh, would you say? Can I oh, add something? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so there's something I talk about with, with uh, one of my, with the, one of my friends a lot is like, uh, oh, that's like, oh, that's easy. Let me just do that. It'll take me five seconds. And it's like, it's not five seconds. It's like 10 years of learning and studying and doing it and practice and failure and winning plus five seconds. You know, it's right. like, it's not going to take you five seconds because you haven't done it five million thousand times, figured out all the quick shortcuts, how to do it. So I think about that sometimes too. It's like, Oh, that's easy. Let me just do it five seconds. But it's like the value of it is actually, there's a lot more to it. Right. And 
like like I was saying to you uh, about that before, when I was doing hypnotherapy, that's when I really started understanding the time, even if it's a 30 minute uh, session, right? Which, you know, with um, rapid induction techniques you could do, even if it is something that short, it's still a process that you have to go through as the hypnotherapist. So that kickback really helps you understand like, no, I should be charging this for this. I should be charging this, right? Um, and that's helpful too, right? For, for those of you who have products or serv- well, services that are hard to attach a tangible price to, how does it make you feel after the work is done? How much of yourself did you give, right? That matters in that cost. I definitely think that's something people should look at. So energy exchange. Exactly. Right. Uh, Throughout your spiritual journey, throughout your journey of amassing the skills, uh, learning the knowledge, what what was like the what was one epiphany moment for you? Like it just kind of opened up your eyes like you realize that, you know, from here on out with this piece of information, I can see life through a different lens. So interesting, like, like 50 things just flashed in front of me. Uh, I'm a very visual person. So I see things like in pictures. Um, so I, I'll just pick this one. Um, I was having a, like a lot of back pain. Um, I had been diagnosed with like a C65 um, herniated disc situation. And um, I ended up getting this free book called uh, Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. And, um, you know, I feel like it was very serendipitous, even just the way I got the book. Like I was going, I went to acupuncture. I was waiting at the acupuncture place. I just like picked up this book. I started reading it and the guy came out. He's like, oh, that was our, in our free book pile. There's books everywhere. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is a free book pile. Like, okay. I couldn't stop reading it. I like fast tracked it. So that later that night I got to a part and it's basically said his theory is that um, back pain is stored emotions in the body. And I was like, yeah, this is what is happening. This is, this is what is my problem. This is a hundred percent my problem. And he went on to say like, you know, only about 5% of people are going to be willing to accept that, you know, because it's physical. And so we want to have like a physical explanation solve for it. Right. Like, but I'd done all the physical solve and, and, you know, I'd done the shots in the neck. I'd done the chiropractor. I'd done like literally every healing modality possible. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to get honest with myself and accept this. And just from accepting in my mind that my body physical sensation was coming from emotions. Mm. Like the next day I felt 80% 80% better. Wow. And I had, I had had extreme pain for months. Wow. That, that, so that does remind me of a type of hypnotherapy that we do call command cell therapy. Right. And what it basically says, and what the logic behind it is, is that every symptom of every disease and every illness is mm. created first in the mind and then spreads to the rest of the body. So if you tell your mind that everything is fine, it will be fine, right? It will send signals to the places that are aching that things are fine and things will be fine, 
Yeah. Right? Um, but that's immediately what that reminded me of, because it's it, it is that sort of thing. It is the emotion behind it. It's the belief even. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I, I had people struggle with as well is, OK. You know, I, I had someone come to me one time and variety of issues. Right. I had one person about weight loss. And the reason that they were having issues with weight loss was attached to the relationship that they were in that they did not want to be in. Right. So it was like, oh. And it was just like time and time again, what I realized is that these are situations that we're putting ourselves in, that if we were just being honest with ourselves, we would not be in the situation anyway. We wouldn't even be in the pain. Right. The physical ailment wouldn't exist because you would have told so and so to kick rocks or, you know, that that's the sort of thing that I realized. So I'm glad that we're on the same page there. Yeah, I think like um, one of my friends says, um, you know, pain is inevitable. Mm -hmm. Suffering is optional. You know, it's like we're all going to experience hardships. That's going to happen. You know, it's, it's not like trying to think that that's not going to be true but then are you going to you know take that problem and be like oh my god you know and really like sit in it and stay in it and you know move it around and dig it deeper and like really get yourself in there are you going to just be like okay yep this is the problem and like now now where do I proceed from here I I love the fact that you said that one of the things that you know, I've started telling, you know, members of my family is like, yeah, I get it. Something happened to you. Right. But just because you've been through something traumatic doesn't mean that you get to turn yourself into a trauma monster. Right. And, and that's where the residual of everything that's left behind morphs you and contorts you to where, you know, let's say you were this nice little girl and now you're scowling at everybody. You are always telling somebody what to do, or, you know, you have an attitude. And it, it's one of the thing, it's one thing to understand why that is. It's mm -hmm. another thing to understand that you shouldn't be that way if you have a problem with how people react to you. And that's the motivator that I tell people. If you, if you get offended when people don't want to be around you, then there's a behavior that you should be looking at changing, right? Or you can just accept the fact that if you choose to continue with this behavior, people aren't going to want to be around you. It's not a good or a bad thing. It just is what it is. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in being in flow and in being in flow in my life. And mm -hmm. whenever we have resistance, right, that's where we have struggle. It's like, we're not flowing with what the universe has given us and right. you can choose to you know stay in resistance and wonder like why and be in your own little pity party and uh <laughs> trauma monster like that um you know or you and try to yeah figuring it out like why did this happen and why am I here or just be like okay yep this this is shitty and um and I don't want it to be like that anymore. <laughs> no, I agree. Right. And that that's, that's all people need to do. Just make the decision. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, you know, I've had um, this week, I had a couple of things that 
were kind of causing a little bit of anxiety for me. And finally, and I, re and I just last night, like I made two decisions and like today I'm like, Oh yes, I forgot. Like sometimes when you're in it, it's hard to remember, but, um, you know, sometimes making a decision is just like settles everything. It's like, now you don't have to be in the fog of it anymore. Oh yeah. That, that is one of my things. Right. Uh, so I once had someone read my human design and they were like, Ooh, you really hate uh, indecisiveness. I was like, yeah, I got a problem with it. Like my eyes got big. Right. What, um, what's your I, human design? Uh, a manifesting generator. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it, one, one of the things they were saying was like, oh, I can't deal with indecisiveness. And it's like, I can't, I really have a genuine distaste for it. Right. It, it seems like the source of so many problems. It's like, you, you don't know what you're doing next. Right. And I can accept someone's, I don't know. It's, I don't like it for myself. Right. Like I have to know for myself. Right. And if, if my decision is ever dependent on you knowing something and you don't know, it's like, okay, great. I can make whatever decision I want to make. That's exactly how I take it. Um, and I've realized saying that out loud, how negative that could be interpreted uh, for, for some people, because, you know, imagine you're in a relationship with a guy and he goes, Oh, you go, Oh, you know, something and go, Oh, I don't know. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go do X, Y, Z. And I guess um, that could be looked at negative, but whether it's looked at negatively or not, I like decisiveness. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just taking care of yourself, which is really what we all need to do. Um, you know, it doesn't mean to not look out for each other too, but um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think it's a good way to go. I mean, um, yeah, it's basically, there's probably an element that you're not wanting to accept, which is why you're staying in the unknown. Um, I guess staying in the unknown for me means I'm deliberately sacrificing my power or deliberately giving up my power. Right. Yeah. So I can choose to participate. I can choose to not participate, but I, for me, I have to acknowledge my choice. Yeah. Sounds very uh, masculine. <laughs> I mean, your name is ambition. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I do think also like our names like shape us like, or like it has something to do with how we are. Mm. No, no, I, I, uh, well, my first name is actually Akil, right? Oh, okay, okay. But this, this is my chosen name. But even with that, like that, that one is a, a cluster fuck as well. How <laughs> do you there? But it, it really is this space of, if I, if I calculate, right, because I'm, I'm one of those people, logic to the end of it, uh, if I calculate the amount of times that indecisiveness has brought me an issue, mm -hmm. right, versus the issues that came with decisiveness, right, it's like, okay, I, I kind of understand if I choose, I can keep choosing, right, and whether this thing is good or bad, at least I chose it, 
Yeah. Right. It, it's almost like the value of freedom. I, I think uh, I, I look back to, you know, I was in a cult and I talk about that at when I was in, in episode six. So as a teenager, I was in a cult. So it's this idea of not having freedom mm-hmm. is not okay to me. And part of having freedom is choice. And I, I guess I just want to make all of it. I want to make all the choices. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Um, what, what do you consider to be your favorite client? Like your favorite type of client? Person comes in today, you just love dealing with them. Why do you love dealing with them? Um, they're willing and open to accept new ideas. Mm. yeah okay the the person that's like well like I don't know it's like okay well if you already knew (laughs) how to figure this out you'd already do it so (laughs) right (laughs) let's try something new (laughs) and okay so I want to say archetypically so in terms of archetypes if you had to break people down into characteristics and labels. And I know it's something that a lot of people don't like to do, but what archetype do you say, would you say is most accepting of these new ideas? Oh gosh. Any, any chosen system you choose? Yeah, there's so many archetypes. Um, Right. interesting um I guess I see myself as like a little bit of a pirate Mm. um and and I think that the I think the people that could benefit most from working for me are like is like the maiden Mm. Like, okay. So like naive and gotcha. like from you know, kind of like in their feminine, like, oh, everything's great. Like my everyone has my, you know, greatest good looking out for me. Okay, um, nice. Yeah. I like I like the idea of the uh pirate right? There's elements of the wanderer, but right. There's, I, when you say pirate, I think amoral, right? So then that brings up the question, would you, do you relate with the morality of the pirate? Not that, you know, there's a right or wrong answer here, right? Or are you sitting in the, so essentially, do you believe that there's a right or wrong or are we no. all just shades of gray? I don't believe there's a right or wrong. Yes. Yes, another one. So that's true, <laughs> right? Because I think right and wrong gets us into a lot of trouble, or this good and bad gets us into a lot of trouble. I, I'm glad that you agree because there's so many people that like have this conversation with me. I'm like, I don't believe in right or wrong. I think it's shades of gray. I think everybody chooses their own thing. And they're like, oh, well, no, there's an objective morality. I was like, nah, it's relative moralism. Right. Like that's all there is to it. Yeah. But so I definitely agree with that. Um, 
but talk to us a little bit more this uh what system was that arc was those architects from the pirate and the maiden sounded pretty interesting i like that um honestly um when I was living in Guatemala, I had 11 roommates and we were always kind of like coming up with different things. And one Mm. week we decided to do kind of like a deep dive into the archetypes. And so we had like a hundred that we were looking at. And, um, so yeah, I remember, um, the, you know, um, like the maiden and the crone, like, you know, that's a pretty powerful, that's a pretty powerful system right there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the pirates kind of like out there doing whatever means necessary to get stuff done. Um, I don't know all of the different archetype systems, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's too many to really know, right? I know, for example, you know, there's when, what, so for everyone listening, when we say archetypes, talking about like systems of characters that are representative of the personalities that we run into. So when you hear someone say archetypes, they may be using pantheons as a par- archetype. So you see a lot of times that uh, certain uh, pantheons of gods come up as uh, archetypes, such as the Orisha, um, the Roman gods. Uh, and that, then for that example, the, the Greek gods. Um, as well as the Egyptian or Kemet gods as well. So that's really what we're talking about. But it's also been adopted in other areas. So psychology, you see the 16 personalities. Um, You'll also see there's a book called, man, what is it? I think it's The King's Journey or The King's Within. And that one has like six archetypes. It's the Wanderer, the... The orphan, the wanderer, the king, the hero, the warrior. Uh, and there's another one I may be forgetting. Ogre. You said the. Is there ogre. Ogre. No, the Joker. Joker. I don't remember a Joker in that okay. one, right? But I, I always like to study pantheons and and just so people have the understanding of why these things are important. Uh, you know. We talked about marketing and PR earlier, uh, spirituality, getting clients. In everything that you do, you have to understand the people that you're running into. If you think people are just in two versions, black or white, right or wrong, you're going to get it wrong 90% of the time. And I mean, a broken clock is right twice a day, but I'm pretty sure you'd like to be a lot more accurate. And the best way to do that is to understand archetypes, right? Um, and where I get to have a lot of archetypical conversations is with spiritual people, because there is a lot of, uh, there's a huge desire to be able to break down and classify energy. And a lot of people perceive that through behavior. So it's real easy to have those conversations with spiritual people, with psychologists, with people who are really deep into their business and marketing, uh, you get a lot of really cool archetypical conversations like this one, right? Um, like, for example, if we just wanted to throw a whole new archetype uh, into play, right? And I'm pretty sure somebody already uses this, but you could literally take 
each of the chakras and then break them down into certain personality types. And there you have an archetype system. You go, oh, well, you know, that's a root chakra based person. They're always going out, buying nice things and, you know, trying to earn as much money. That person's a very uh, sacral type person. They're always moving within their sensuality, flowy. He's always flicking his hair and his hair. so that that's really how you can begin to understand the people that you come into contact with. There are different types of people, many different types of people. So, yeah, I have. Well, I have the I have the chakra system. On, I painted it on my door here. I don't know if you can see it behind me, but I'm like super into it, and I think that's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting path. You know, it's like yeah, the, the pleasure seeker, right? Or like the person who's like all about like, let's just be happy or like the one that's like, let me like call in my inner guidance, you know, right. or the, the singer, right? That's like all about speaking. I feel like you're more blue chakra. Really? Yeah. I, I think uh, I was going to go green and I was going to say that because I tell people truths that they don't want to hear. <laughs> Okay. Uh huh. That could be blue. That's blue. That's be? like, cause that's it to me. Blue is all about like speaking. Okay. Speaking, speech, speaking engagement, speaking your truth. It, there's like, yeah, sure. Accountability is love. Absolutely. Right. You need some, you need some deep love to tell someone some hard truths. Absolutely. So yeah. It's oh, I, well, I said that one because it, the way that it was taught to me at first was to be in that space of your heart chakra, you have to tell truths to yourself and telling truths to yourself is a harsh place to be. So my, my teacher would always be like, man, you tell yourself so much truth that you show up and you tell everybody truths, but nobody asks for that. Please shut up. So I was like, okay, we shut up now. <laughs> but that that's really what it was. It's like, I'm so honest with myself. And I'll sit there and be like, so, so you just go ignore the fact that what you did was da, 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 and then they'll be like, but you do it. And I'm like, that may be true. My apologies. Now back to you. Right. And they're, they're like, oh. it's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to divert it. And yeah. once you say you own it, the conversation's over. So that's why I thought green, but I might need to look into the blue. Um, so, Okay for yourself where would you place yourself for those trying to get to know dana a little bit more what type of person is dana i mean Pirate, I, I, but now let's throw that into the uh the, the chakra, chakra system archetypes i mean yeah. i i've really identified with the orange like orange for a long time with like happiness um nice. and i and i do think probably most people see me as like pleasure seeking and kind of like yeah uh like happy vibe but lately I think I've really been um like focusing on my third eye mm. um the the purple I've really been focusing on my intuition and um and like really listening to myself so gotcha. that's kind of like where I am right now but I would say most people if they meet me would probably call me orange all right sweet sweet so we are at the point in the podcast where I would normally ask for a story for a story right? And story for a story just means you pick a wild, crazy, fun story. It could be any type of story. We usually opt for wild or fun, and I will match your story with a story, right? But hopefully, either which way, it's a story that somebody can learn a lesson from. 
All right. Well, I mean, I just wrote a book. It's called May All Beans Be Fed. There's all kind all my stories are in here. It's my memoir. Let me try to nice. think about one. Um Well, I, you know what? Something that's been in the back of my mind this whole time I want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently was in Mexico and I saw my uncle and my uncle just had a stroke. And uh, we were sitting out by the pool and I had just had COVID. So I was like sitting like six feet away from him or whatever. And we're like outside, he's having a beer. And he's been a cigarette smoker for like 25 years. And you know, he just had a stroke. He's like, yeah, like the ducks are telling me I got to quit smoking. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Do you want to? And he's like, yeah, well the ducks, like the doctors are telling me I need to. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't answer the question. Like, do you want to quit smoking? And he's like, well, no, I like it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I see. Yeah. I, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. If you wanted to stop, you would, but you like it. So you keep doing it. And he's like, well, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so are you gonna, like, it sounds like you don't really wanna stop, you know? And I'm like, I I was like, have you thought about hypnotherapy to change your mind about wanting to smoke? And he was like, you know what? That was the only thing that ever worked for my father, which is my grandfather, which I didn't, I had never known that. I'd never known, uh, and apparently, yeah, apparently he was a smoker. And he did hypnotherapy and he stopped smoking. And, uh, and then I told my mom this story and she was like, oh yeah, that's because I wouldn't, um, when she was pregnant with me, she wouldn't ride in the car with him because he would smoke cigarettes and he had to stop. So it's like, so interesting, like all the different kind of like routes of the question. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm hoping that he does some hypnotherapy and like get some, uh, maybe changes his mind or you know what he's an old man like do what he likes you know i don't care (laughs) no i'm completely with you there right like i know um just a couple of people i could think of off the top of my head in barbados that are old as dirt and they smoke or they drink and they just do all of the unhealthy things and then you look at people who are like in their 30s and you like you got liver problems bro like they don't make those things like they used to huh so that's exactly how i feel about it if you i actually funny enough and i'm i'll tell this story and this is a by proxy story right so a friend of mine in new york was telling me a story about you know his his nuclear family the nuclear family he created right so we, I finally get there, right? And this is right after our other best friend passed. So I'm flying back to New York for first time in years, right? I thought it was him that I was walking up on, but it wasn't him. So I did what you're supposed to do, what I thought was right. I clapped mad loud so the guy could hear me. It was like, yo, so he could see who's coming up because I don't want to just run up on this guy. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's got. He wasn't him, but I say, yo, I'm looking for my man so-and-so. My man comes down the stairs. And, you know, we parlay. He goes, oh, thought this was you. Whatever. But where he comes down the stairs, this is in the projects, right? And this is explaining why my mannerisms were what they were. Because this is my first time back in New York in a while. But I also noticed that across the street from the projects, 
is like somebody sipping uh, a smoothie. I was like, this is different. You feel safe doing that? <laughs> I was like, but I still understand the projects is the projects. What happens inside of that maze is totally different than what's going to go on across the street. So we go on ahead, go upstairs. His baby mom's there, his family, her family's there, all of that. So a couple of weeks go by, right? And this was just so you guys could get introduced to the characters. A couple of weeks go by, he calls me up. I'm back in uh, California. Goes, yo, I can't believe what just happened. I go, what happened? He said, my so-and-so's mom just stole $1,500 from me. I said, what? Why would she do that? He goes, she on drugs, bro. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, so why y'all let her come around? He's like, cause the only, he's like, so the only person in the house that's not on drugs is the grandma. I was like, grandpa too? And he said, yeah, grandpa. I said, grandpa's not on drugs. Now you got to understand, this is why I'm saying grandpa cannot be on drugs. There's no way grandpa's on drugs, right? Grandpa is a like a stone throw away from 90 and is getting up, moving around. I was like, oh. So crackhead strength is real. And it lasts a very long time. So if, if the, you know, so sometimes it's not nicotine, right? But sometimes you just like doing it, that you'll do it all the way into your nineties and you'll be strong enough to watch your daughter come in the house and steal 1500 for it. But that's the story. I'm sharing it in love. The moral of the story is do what you like to do. That is the moral of the story. So Dana, wrapping it up, right? In the spirit of taking it home, we want to bring it home strong. What is the last piece of advice that you would give to our listeners? The best thing for them right now, the, like wherever they are in life, right? We're talking entrepreneurs who are just trying to balance it, right? They, they might be having some issues when it comes to their purpose. They might be having some issues when it comes to making connections. They may be having issues when it comes to their own health and their own self-care for people trying to balance those three areas. Right. And the same thing we talked about with everything being connected, what's the best piece of advice you have for those people? Well, I mean, uh, I really see self-care as the first part of everything. Mm. If you don't have self-care, none of those other parts are going to work out. You have to take care of yourself, whatever that looks like for you and um, take time for yourself, nurture yourself, you know, rest um, or you're going to get burnt out. But I like to share um, I like to share one of my favorite quotes. And I think it kind of goes along with what we were talking about. It's um, don't copy the world. Be a different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Mm. and yeah it's like there's no right and wrong just do what you want and take care of yourself and that's the best thing you can do for the world really if you show up well taken care of you're not going to be so grumpy and reactive and all the other stuff no i i definitely agree with that and for everybody listening go be great 